Welcome to the Biz for Good Show, where we highlight misfits, outcasts, and renegades for the being good and doing good movement. We spotlight people that are changing the world by having integrity and honesty and creating an environment of connection, thus showing the true secret to success and creating a life of greater impact. So come on board and create your own Biz for Good life. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to the Miss for Good Show. I am your host, Bobby Glenn James, along with the ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Pilkington. And today Woo-hoo. we absolutely have an amazing guest today, Ryan. Tell us about our guest. Oh, and about the show, and we can relax now because we, we did the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is like, oh, frick. What did I just get? <laughs> Tell us about the show, Ryan. Okay. It'll be fun for sure. Actually, in a million hundred years, I never thought I'd actually have one of my favorite all-star Utah jazz fa- people in the studio with me. So I'm, I'm honored. We have Mark Eaton, and we're on episode 119. It's Be an Unstoppable Force for Good with Mark Eaton. And Mark you, Eaton, ladies and, and you gentlemen. Should, you should put that one button thing on that we were doing. Oh, wait. Oh, oh yeah. You want me to do the... <laughs> I love your website, by the way, at 7FT4. It's so short. That's awesome. Dot com. Nobody else had it. It was available. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a short group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's get it. It's awesome a short group. Domain. My buddy used to say, Bobby, you're SM all. Small. So everybody's tall to me, but. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) What do you got, Ryan? Am I on? Oh, I'm on. All right. Mark Eaton was the NBA Defensive Player of the Year twice. He also earned a spot in the All-Star team and broke the NBA record for most block shots in a single season, 456. Yeah, but you got to tell him about What? what he did first. I like that one part. What part? The part you said you were a mechanic at one time? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell him that's cool. Well, he can tell you the mechanic. So, uh, so all uh, you uh, mechanics in L.A. Or, or across the nation, <laughs> listen, you could be Mark Eaton, the next Mark Eaton someday, right? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, I totally messed yeah, up the messed intro. Me. You know, we Thanks go off lot. track. That's I what I do. I have this holy <laughs> awesome thing going on and then nothing. Anyway. So after a 12-year professional basketball career with Utah Jazz, Mark went on further success as an entrepreneur, TV, and radio talk show host and a world-class speaker, trainer, and author. Today, he applies the powerful teamwork and leadership skills he honed on the basketball court to empower organizations. Mark helps eradicate the barriers to your success and achieve your full potential. Mark's book, The Four Commitments, of a winning team. Of a winning team will make your team more productive, efficient, and engaged. I like engaged. So you can excel in your industry. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. There you go. Welcome to the Biz for Good Show. Two fun, adventurous entrepreneurs sharing the experiences of the real secret to success in business. Doing all things with a be good, do good mindset. There is so much bad noise in the world. Let's fight against the noise by flooding the world with the good. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter Facebookians, Instagramians, all those fun places. Subscribe, do all that good stuff. Guys, welcome, welcome to the show. 
And also, don't forget, if you want to live your Biz for Good life, please go to thebizforgoodshow.com and on the front, get your Biz for Good checklist. Get your checklist so you can live that life. Understand that being good and doing good is the greatest way to become successful and have a great life in so many different ways. Am I missing something, Ryan? Uh, Builderall. Oh, Builderall2millions.com, one of our affiliates. Builderall2millions.com. If you want to build your own DIY web pages, if you want sales funnels, sales funnels of every kind, if you want a webinar, if you want to build your own phone apps, you name it, Builderall2millions.com will set you up with every digital media piece of stuff you need to live on the web. Bam. Builderall2millions.com. Awesome. We're just going to jump right in. We're Bobby. just going to jump right in. You, you okay with that? I'm ready Mark? for it. Yep, let's go. I'm <laughs> very good. He's ready. We we we've kind of we 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 love to change some things up every once in a while, so we're doing it today. Um Ooh. I, I and I like to throw things out. We did not talk about a lesson in leadership, but I do think with Mark Eaton here we need to do that. So we like to do sometimes a segment called Lessons in Leadership and we just ask our guest to give us a tidbit about leadership from them something that our that our listeners can use and and be a better leader be a better force in the world okay sounds good um over the last 10 years i've spoken to probably 600 companies around the country and had an opportunity to meet uh, many top leaders from big companies and small companies alike uh, I think the the, uh, the number one thing that I would tell people is that you need to pay attention to your employees. That um, people always say the customer first, customer first, which is true. You got to take care of your customers. But if you're not paying attention to what your employees are saying and there's internal strife and griping and things going on that uh, need to be addressed, then your employees are more worried about the guy in the other cubicle than they are about taking care of your customers' problems. And that's an issue. Oh, that is so true. I, I I say all the time, if you want good customer service, have happy employees. Yes. If you don't treat your employees good, how can you possibly expect them to treat your clients good? Correct. Awesome. So, was there any contrasting stories? I'm going to go a little weird, please. Is there any stories that are nightmare stories that we can learn from that like maybe... You go in any business and find one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Have that, a share everybody has them. Yeah, if you have employees, right. you have stories. That's right. That's just how it is. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no so that that person that's behind the counter where they're having a problem with the with the with the with a, a customer, a potential customer, and then the manager comes up and curses out the guy for doing whatever they did. And, Why you stupid idiot? You shouldn't treat the customer this way. Blah 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 blah. How does that look to that that potential customer? I don't think I would want to do business with that place. Well, and, and we, we have a tendency to just uh, hire employees. And then uh, after a while, and a lot of times for lack of somebody else that's better, we turn people into managers or supervisor mm. with no training. Absolutely. And so then you get all the emotions and everything that go along with that with an untrained supervisor or manager. If you don't spend the time training them, teaching them how to do their job, uh, the result is, like, like an example you shared there, is that it's going to reflect poorly on the frontline people who are in direct contact with your customers. Yeah, it it really we we keep saying, and we we used to think that it was a no brainer this being good and doing good thing, but it isn't a no brainer. And more people need to understand if you want happy clients, happy customers, happy employees, just think about how to be good to them. Correct. How to treat right. them decent. Mm -hmm. And you will have 
better employees that will stay with you longer. It's not rocket science, yet so many corporate companies don't live that way. Why is that? I mean, what you've seen. Well, it's always been a top-down mentality that uh, I created the company. I've got the product, the service. I know what we need to do. And you guys just need to do your jobs mm-hmm. and everything will be fine. And uh, then when it's not fine, the boss has sense to get just more upset. And it's like, well, hey, I know we have a good product. Like, what's the matter with you guys? And um, a great example of that is of a friend of mine uh, here in town, Dr. Jason West, who just opened up a, a holistic clinic in a Draper. And he's from Pocatello. Um, his great-grandfather started this clinic 110 years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, so it's been kind of a small, not small, but just there in Pocatello. And he's been able to, to add more facilities and open up more clinics because he finally got clear that it was employees who were going to drive that that growth. You don't grow him. alone. So he you said he would come alone. in every day and he'd have weekly meetings with all the employees and he would tell them about their mission and their values. And they do some very important work. They treat some some tough diseases like Lyme disease and MRSA and things like that. He does, mm-hmm. he, he helps people that kind of run out the end of the road, other, other places. And, um, he said I would come in and then, and then one day after all these years of telling my employees what our mission was and what our vision was and how excited we need to be every day. Um, he said, you know, he, one came in one day, he said, okay, tell us what our mission and vision are, are. And, and the employees couldn't repeat it. And he said, well, wait a minute, I've been coming in and telling you this all these years. Why can't you repeat it? Yeah. They said, well, Dr. West, if you would just take a little time and listen to what we have to say, we might be able to help you with growing your business. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real turning point for him where he stepped back and said, hmm. And he hires very top-notch employees, but he wasn't listening to them. He said, once I got clear about that and I got out of the way and I let them start driving the business, he said, business boomed and more people got taken care of. Wow, that I I, I got to go there because for my I, I went through that same thing with my with my IT services company. When I started hiring people, it made me have 10 times more work because nobody could do it as well as me. So I had to watch everything. It was killing me. 10 years ago, I just about died just from the stress of trying to do everything for everybody and hiring people didn't take it off. It made it worse. It wasn't until I learned that right there. And let go and realized, you know what? If I hired the right people and, and man, Mike. And it, empower it, them. and yeah, yeah, and empower and let them know how important they are. I mean, I do more just letting my guys know how amazing they are and how fantastic they are. We go, I, every chance they get, we go to lunch, we take it, we do parties. I just, they got to know how important and amazing they are as employees. Right. And then I don't have to worry about anything else. Correct. And even if you look at the, at the, we'll call the millennials or, or, you know, the next generation up. They're okay, very hold con- your ears. They're very concerned Cedric. about, no, they're very concerned about that their work matters. Like they're not yes. there just to collect a check, mm. right? They want to know they're doing something that's important. And so you see the companies have gone to better engagement in terms of things you're talking about, going out to lunch or having a break room full of snacks or a ping pong table, whatever it is. A yoga but, room. Yeah. I, I got a buddy, his company has a yoga room. Yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen, good. I've seen meditation rooms, um, I've seen uh, special rooms for special meetings. Like if you've got to have a one-on-one with somebody, they have like a little special room you go to. Uh, so that kind of thing is very important to that generation. And if you're not paying attention to that, you're you're falling behind. Absolutely. For sure. Wow, this is good stuff. Wow. Yeah. We, I knew we should have done a lesson in leadership. This was great. This was perfect. Perfect. So let's actually get to the interview. We're uh, we're starting with a new kind of a question. Well, it's not new. It's the same question we always ask, yet in a different different way. way. 
we want to know a little bit more about Mark Eaton. Maybe something you haven't told everybody all the time, but something that in you changed your life to realize that being good and doing good or, or a biz for good life really, really mattered to you. What happened in your life? Well, it, it is a story that I tell frequently, um, but it still, uh, I think, hits dead center to your question. And that is... Um, when I grew up in Southern California in the 60s and 70s, um, I wasn't a very good athlete. I played with sports with my friends and things like that. But in high school, I didn't play very much, especially basketball. I sat on the end of the bench. And uh, at the end of my senior year, I decided, okay, this isn't it for me, sports. Like, you know, I, that, there's no future here. Time to move on and do something else. My father is a marine diesel mechanic. And I'd grown up around engines and wrenches and things like that. So I decided to go to trade school for a year, learn to be an auto mechanic. So I moved to Arizona, I went to trade school for a year, came back to Southern California, got fired from my first job in a car dealership because it was way over my head, <laughs> and ended up in a tire store um, on the other side of Orange County in Buena Park. And it was a very busy intersection. I worked there for about a year and a half, changing tires, doing tune-ups, brakes, front-end work, um, straight commission. And uh, one day I was out on the corner of this busy intersection speaking to this customer, trying to sell him a brake job or something. And a junior college basketball coach from down the street came around the corner, whipped in and said, what the heck is this seven foot four guy doing in this shop? Uh, you know, bending wrenches. So uh, he um, uh, and so he came in and his name was was Tom Lubin. He's an assistant basketball coach at the local junior college. So this is the part about being good. All right. So at first I was offended by him because everybody came in my shop and said, you know, why aren't you playing basketball? Which used to just piss me off. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I'm just like, I don't play basketball. Can I help you with your car? Like, what, what do you need? Like, you know, let me make some money here. <laughs> and um, so, uh, but he said, you know, so we kind of got through that part. And he kept coming back to visit me time and time and time again. And he said, look, I know some things about basketball that you don't know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I had a few high school coaches, uh, or you know, one of those your coaches when I was in high school. I'm really not that interested. But he kept coming back, and he and finally after nine visits, wow. he said he brought me a pair of basketball shoes. He brought an NBA guy to meet me. Um, he just kept working on me, working on me, working wow. on me. Wow. And um, and he, but this is this was the key. He said one day he came to me. He said, look. He said, if you'll just go to the basketball court with me for 30 minutes and allow me to show you some of the things I know about being a big guy that you don't know, he said, if you don't like what you see, I'll leave you alone. Mm. Now, he wasn't making any money on this. He was just a coach at the junior college. He was a chemistry professor. Oh, wow. And so we went over on a Saturday morning, and he said, look, he said, I had a great uncle who was one of the first great big men in the game of basketball in the 1930s. And he said he showed me some very simple moves at low post underneath the basket that you could do without dribbling the basketball that I think you might might change your mind a little bit about maybe giving basketball another shot. So we did these little things like step across the key hook shot and turn bank shot, just simple little moves that didn't require any dribbling, not a lot of footwork. And in 30 minutes, I said, wow, I, you know, I mean, I'm kind of rough. I've been a mechanic for three years, but I said, I like what I'm seeing. And he said, look, if you're willing to meet me every day after work, he said, we'll start working on some of this stuff. And he said, we'll do it for a few weeks. And if you'd like it, you know, you can think about enrolling in junior college next fall. And so that's what I did. So he would meet me every day after work. So I worked 12 hours. I go to the gym for two hours after that. 
and started doing these little things like these little drills and agility drills and footwork drills and all this little stuff. And I've still got grease on my fingernails, but I'm out there trying to catch the basketball and do these different things. Over the course of four months, I got a little bit better and my body started coming around a little bit. And uh, so I decided to go back to junior college. And that was the beginning of um, a career of basketball that started this junior college and went from there to UCLA to the NBA. And there's a lot of stories in between there. But the, but to get back to your question, this coach, Tom Lubin, became one of my best friends. He's still one of my best friends, 36, 30, well, he's even longer than that. I, I don't know, 40 years later, <laughs> 19, late 70s. Um, and he never asked me for anything. All I ever did for him was get him some tickets to the games when we played the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, I gave him uh, one of my jerseys when the Jazz retired my jersey. And he's just been one of my best friends. And he just simply did it because he saw some potential in me that I didn't see. And he was willing to go to bat for me and push me a little bit to encourage me to at least give it a try. I mean, he would he would drive from Riverside down to, to Cyprus on the 91 free, which anybody from L.A. knows that's a, that's a nightmare in and of itself, <laughs> and meet me at 6 a.m. And we would run for an hour. And then he'd go to class and teach class all day. I'd go to work all day. And then after after class and after work, he'd meet me again in the gym for another two hours to teach me these basketball skills. I mean, who does that? And so I I think what I take away from that is over the course of my life, um, he was always that guy that would say, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? Like, how's it going? Well, if you tried about this, have you tried that? Um, And teaching, even teaching chemistry, he inspired students who hated chemistry to go on to become doctors and pharmacology guys and other, you know, Mm. uh, industrial Mm. chemists and things like that, that all took his chemistry class at the same time. So that's my story about the first time some, I remember somebody being, being good to me. And that is, that is classic being good and doing, I mean, a great movie. It would be a great great movie. movie, It would be a great movie. We, it's like a Rocky story. I know we, we say this all the time that, that, you know, you watch the news and, and you think there are no good people in the world, but, but there so are yeah, so many great yeah. people doing just that, right. that they see something in somebody and they just, they just want to assist them because they just know they should. That is so right. cool. Thank you. That, it, that epitomize everything that we're talking about. And, and as we stand up for it. So can, can we uh, take it a little bit further now that we went there, can you tell us a story about when you've done that? I'm putting you on the spot. Ooh. I'm sorry. I just, I have to. <laughs> okay, here we go. There we go. I, I got, I got Cause one. I want to see a pay it forward sure. type of thing. So I got that. I got that. And this one's in my book as well. Um, after I retired from the NBA, I started a, a program called standing tall for youth for at risk kids. And it originally started with the idea of let's get the kids to a basketball camp who can't afford to go. Like the first basketball camp I ever went to, I was the guest speaker. Mm. And so um, <laughs> so I, uh, I put together this idea with another friend of mine named Brent Snyder, played in the NFL, played at Utah State. And we created this basketball camp that had life skills component. Brent at that time was working for the Covey Leadership Center. And so we took some of those principles Personal development and style. we put the basketball skills together and we created awards around. So the MVP of the camp wasn't somebody who was just the best player. It was somebody who had encompassed both the best playing skills and the best leadership skills from being in the classroom things that we did. Right. Yeah. It morphed into basketball, uh, outdoor camps. We ran camps in the Gravon wilderness outside of Jackson Hole and Grizzly Habitat because that's a behavior modifier. (laughs) 
and um, <laughs> gotta pay attention. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so I did this for about 14 years. We had a young lady from Ogden uh, named Candace, and she'd grown up in a very difficult family uh, in downtown Ogden. And she came to us when she was about 11. And she was a little rough and kind of tough and, you know, just simply a product of her environment where she lived, right? And most of the kids we dealt with never left their neighborhoods, right? They'd never been to Wasatch Bowl, but they'd never been at Parley's Canyon. They'd never, you know, nothing. Mm. So we got her going with basketball camp. We got her going with the outdoor camps. And she became kind of a favorite, a lot of the staff people that I work with. And we always look forward to seeing her because we try and do camps all year round. We try to do some weekend things and we'd have the summer camp. And we'd have the basketball camp. And so we tried to keep in touch with them, you know, at least every few months. Well, over the course of a few years, um, she stays with us. She wins MVP. She has some other things. And then she got to be about 16 or so when she, you know, went off like everybody else does. And and we kind of lost track of her. And once in a while I'd hear, hey, maybe hear from Candace. I don't know. I heard she's taking some classes at Weber State or something. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And, and um, four or five years after that, I get a Facebook request from her for a friend request. And I'm like, Candace, oh my gosh. So I immediately respond, I'm like, Candace, Candace, how are you? Tell me what's going on. Da, 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 da. And she doesn't respond. I'm like, okay. And about a day later, she sends me a photo of a diploma from a master's in social work from the University of Utah. Wow. Boom. There you go. <laughs> That's your story. And the other half of the movie. And the other half of the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. I'm not always at a, a loss for words, but everyone, you know, sometimes I just have to acknowledge it that thank you, because um, we we never know what we're going to do for folks. We never know what yeah. what kind yeah. of an impact, and even even one matters because we we have so much in this day and age of of kids that don't feel like they have a meaning or that they should be on this earth. And it's it's worse than it's ever been. Yes, it is. And and everything that we can do to assist those kids into knowing that there's a reason for them to be on this earth mm-hmm. is Agreed. important. Yep. So thank you. All right, I get this. Yeah, this, this question. Yeah, you get this question. You get right. This question. <laughs> what the, time is it? Oh, yeah. I've lost uh, lost all track of time. Four forty. All right. Oh, okay. What is your commitment to living a biz for good life? What is Mark Eaton's commitment? My commitment for living to a, a biz for good life. Well, as I think with the stories that I've just told you, um, Pretty sure that that's is. what was done for me. Is that yeah. somebody came to me and said, hey, I can teach you how to do something differently and better that maybe you've never seen before. Um, I am a result of the coaches and mentors that I've had in my life. From, from, uh, from my coach Tom to Wilt Chamberlain to... Um, Coach Layden, when I first came to the Jazz, to Jerry Sloan, and on and on, yeah. and then other and, and other mentors in business. So, when I get on stage and uh, I look at my job up there, is to share some of my experiences and the lessons I learned with you, in hopes that you'll pick up one tip or one idea that will transform how you think about your life and how you approach uh, your life at work, especially, and even how you how you approach your home life. And so. That's that's what I do. That's why I speak. I mean, it's, it's it's fun to go out there and meet all the people, and and you know, it's a very interesting career. It's a challenging career, but at the end of the day, when somebody comes up to me after the presentation and says, "Thank you, I needed to hear that today," that's it for me. I'm like, okay, that's why that's why I'm here. It's worth um, it. one, person. one person, even one person, even one person. And you yeah. know, some 
if you speak on stage a lot, you probably have this experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, one day you're you're speaking to 600 people in the big ballroom at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, right? Lights and cameras everywhere. The next day you're speaking to a, a safety group in Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> it's 120 people from mostly blue collar backgrounds, and the lighting is not so good. They're using the house audio. You know, it's a little it's a little different experience. So one of my favorite stories about that is when I first was getting started speaking. And when you first get started, it's it's rough. I mean, you have to get up there and you have to inspire people for an hour. It's not like talking on TV or the radio. We could just go on and on and on. Yeah. Like, you got to bring it, yeah. right? Every so, time. So Every I was time. speaking for a group. Um, it was it was the Salt Lake County Health Department, actually. Oh. So it was all their nurses and doctors. And great group. But I was the closing keynote from 4 to 5. So at 5 o'clock, did a great job. They all applauded. Well, what did they do after that? Because it was 5 o'clock. They all went home. They went home. Like nobody stuck around to take a picture or anything like that oh. because it was the end of the conference. It had yeah. nothing to do with me. But as a speaker, like, oh, where's everybody going? Where's everybody going? Like, they can stay around. They can buy a CD. Or they... <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they were booking out, they'd been there since 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, They're just going home. Yeah, they were done. So I'm cleaning up my computer and stuff and picking up a few things, papers. And there's like one lady kind of wandering around the tables. And so I'm just like picking up stuff and get my briefcase together. I'm like, okay, well, that was fun. And, you know, now, now we've gone to the next one. And. And she grabbed me as I was getting ready to leave. And she said, you know, she said, I had to make a really big decision today in my life. And she said, listening to your presentation helped me make it with confidence. And I just wanted to thank you. You know, the reason you were here today was for me. I'm like, oh, wow. that's it. Okay, done. The one. That's the you whole know? whole reason. I you forgot about stage. all the other 399 people that left. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's what that's what we, we, we tell people that speak up all the time. If there's one person that needs to hear what you have mm-hmm. to say, it's worth it. Yep. And it's yeah. that connection. That's what's so amazing. And you connection. never know who that person is or when they need it. Right. So cool. Thank there you. you Thank you. Yeah. Your turn. Okay. So let's <laughs> let's let's take this to the to the to the listeners. What could you give the listeners to step their game up? What kind of gold nugget? Speaking of what kind of tool, gold nugget could you give to the listeners right now and give them a call to action to go out and do to assist them. Sure, one story. So when I first came to the Jazz, uh, you know, we were a pretty bad team in a bad market. I mean, our games were shown tape delay at 11 o'clock at night after BYU, okay? No, no joke. Um, you know, we the fan we had about 4,000 fans that would show up to the games and things like that. I mean, it was rough. Uh, the players, or the, the, the office staff was told not to cash their paychecks until the players cashed theirs because things were short. Oh, wow. uh, they were constantly in the red. And so it was kind of a rough time. And our coach, Frank Layden, said, you know, look, he said, if we're going to change this, if we're going to change this culture, he said, we have to get away from this kind of selfish thinking. You know, a lot of guys who are bouncing around the league, it's like, okay, I'm going to the Jazz. All right. I get my 15 shots. I punch my time clock. Get in, get out. Well, boom, collect my check, go home. I mean, that was kind of the mindset then in the early 80s. And so he said, look, if you guys will stop competing with each other so much and start cooperating with each other just a little bit, the individual accolades will follow. Hmm. Well, over the course of the year, we started getting a little bit better. And Frank would say things like, well, if we're not going to be in the playoffs, we're going to affect the playoffs. We're going to start beating the Celtics and the Lakers and the Pistons. We're going to start gunning for some of these teams. And I'd rather lose the game by two points instead of three because two points is closer to winning. And slowly but surely, we started helping each other a little bit more. We started passing the ball when someone else had a better chance of scoring. We started trusting each other a little bit, and and our team got better and better and better. Well, a year later, 
we win the playoffs for the first time in team. We go to the playoffs for the first time in team history. We win the division for the first time in team history, and we have four individual statistical leaders in the NBA. I led the NBA in, in block shots. Adrian Dantley led the NBA in scoring. Uh, Daryl Griffith led the NBA in three-point shooting, and Ricky Green led the NBA in steals. Yeah. Only time it had happened since 1956 has not been ha- has not happened since to have four guys from one team, all statistical leaders, oh. and we did it because we played together. And, and started trusting each other, started cooperating with each other. So I, I call that make people look good. That's my third point in my book, oh, make people look make good. People look good. So my question to the audience is how focused are you in making the people you work with look good on a scale of one to 10? Wow. Where would you rate yourself that today? Gave, that gave me Ooh. chills right there. Right? I got goosebumps. And once you've determined that, is there something you could do that I could see from the outside looking in where I know you're doing, you're focused on making other people look good? Is there somebody you need to meet with? Somebody you need to buy a cup of coffee for? Somebody you need to acknowledge that you just haven't checked in with for a while? Could be internally, externally, doesn't matter. Even your spouse, right? Yeah, yeah, So um, make people look good. So that's my challenge. Get out there and make people look good. Make people look good. Yeah. I love it. My wife makes me look good. Oh, yeah. My wife. And, and do you tell her that? Oh. And when I read that commitment, that third one, I immediately thought of my wife. How can I help her to? Yeah, that's the best thing you can ask your spouse in the morning. How can I make your life easier today? Yeah. Oh, How gosh. How can I make you look good? My wife would freak. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to totally do that. My wife is an angel to put up with me for 24 years. She is mm-hmm. an she is the most spiritual human being I know. Amazing lady. I don't give her enough kudos. I so know I that. think you should tell her, ask her that tomorrow morning, and then you should post. Well, if it's appropriate, you should post on your on your blog, whatever. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what you said. <laughs> Anything under a kiss. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm absolutely gonna do that. I'm gonna post it to my personal and to the face uh, the Biz for Good Show page. I'll do it too, uh, Bob. You'll do it too. Okay, yeah. my commitment, and I'm gonna mean it. So I'm how telling that make, right now. How can I make you look good? How can I make you look I would good? Say what can I do for you? What? Yeah. Oh. How can I make your life easier? Oh my gosh, she will love that. She'll be like, okay, I got a list. <laughs> so I had cool. a list here. She for will 10. have no idea. She so, never listens to so the show. So Riley, if you got that list. What if you did everything on it? That'd be amazing. It would be amazing. Oh, she would love, love, love me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, you know, it's so funny. When we, when we look at other people, it makes our life better. I mean, you, you know, if, if we let go of us, our selfishness, it makes our life better anyway. Right. Because my wife happier makes my life way. I mean, I know that's a cliche saying, but when my wife is happy, man, life is much better. And, and really, all I have to do is focus on her and quit worrying about what Bobby wants and needs. Oh, that's I'm, I'm really excited for the morning. This is going to be awesome. You, you could do it later at <laughs> night, maybe. You know, I, I think I'm going to make a commitment to do it every morning for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm I, this and, if, is, and if you brought her a cup of coffee when you did it, you might even make score uh, more, more absolutely. points, right? Breakfast in bed. Oh, she would freak I, I may go over the top tomorrow morning All this right, is gonna be now. cool because tomorrow's friday right that's date night too so that's perfect hey, there we go okay thank you 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 may have just changed the wheels of my of my marriage <laughs> uh, not that it was too bad i mean she's put up with me 24 years she'll probably put up with me for a few more but yeah if it could make her life better, hey, I'm all over it. Thank you so much. Mark. You're welcome. <laughs> so the the title of the show is being an unstoppable force for for good. And we'll go into the title here. I think that goes right into to being an enforceable, you know, making other people shine and 
You have anything else? So can we talk about your book for a minute since that's kind of it? Let's just really quickly talk about your book. Um, The title again. The The Four Commitments of a Winning Team. The Four Commitments of a Winning Team. And can you just go over the commit? I mean, we've kind of already hit a few of them, it sounds like. Yeah. it's um, So you can get it on Amazon. And it's the same message I've been giving on stage for the last 10 years uh, in a little more expanded form with some some great business stories and and takeaways I think anybody will appreciate, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. And um, and the four commitments are, are very simply, number one, doing your knowing your job, which is focusing on the one thing you're excellent at. I go deep into that. Number two is doing what you're been asked, what you've been asked to do, doing what you've been asked to do. Um, it's not doing about, what you've been asked doing what you've been to asked do. to do. So do you really know what people want from you? Uh, When's the last time you asked them? Okay. Instead of just doing what you think you're supposed right. to do. A lot of people don't know their jobs and they're afraid to ask. Very true. Right. Very true. So that's number and, two. and that goes back to worrying about not being appreciated as an employee. Sometimes if you know you're appreciated, don't you think you're less afraid to find out? You, know, you don't want to make well, mistakes. If, if you don't have an open door policy where people can come in and talk and you're not willing to get out of your office and go walk through the, the, uh, the corridors and spend some time with people and check mm-hmm. in, you're not going to really know how your business is doing. Yeah. That's the one thing they say. Elon Musk has a, a cubicle in the middle of SpaceX. He just yeah. has a cubicle there, not an office. Right. I'm like it. And, and Richard Branson has never had an office. Yeah. Uh, you be with your people. Yep. And, Sorry. Uh, so let's I, I'll throw you off so track. One and two, we did three, make people look good. Cause we already talked about that. And the fourth principle is protect other people. My job on the basketball court was protect my teammates. And that's what I bring to the stage and to the boardroom. Just to let people know that you're there for them. I think for even sure. as, a, as a leader, when your people know that you are there for them, they're more willing to do anything for you. I tell a great story in my book about uh, David Stern, who was the commissioner of the NBA for, for many, many years. He was employee number 24 of the NBA when he started. And he said, I've become basically the, um, the healthcare advisor for our entire staff because they said, I've always had an open door policy. He said, I sit on all these other boards in New York, hospital boards, this and the other. He said, there was nothing. He said, I always said, we're the MBA family. He said, there was nothing you couldn't come into my office with and sit down with me and talk about. And if it was a health issue with a parent or a loved one or yourself. He said, I would just start calling people on the phone on all these other boards I sit on and say, hey, you know, can you get this guy taken care? Yeah, send him over here. That so, um, so that kind of protection, knowing that you have the ability to go in and, and sit down and say, hey, I got something going on that I, I really need some advice with or help with. What a great thing, right? Yeah, so trying to you know, move towards that kind of a, of a culture in your company, I think, is, is very worthwhile. Yeah, because sometimes you feel like if I ask, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be right, in trouble. or you're afraid that I might look stupid if I go in there and say, "What should I be doing?" So I always say, "Go in there and say, hey, 'Hey, I've been doing this and this and this. Is there anything else I should be more focused on? Is there anything else I could, I could do to to help our cause here?'" Wow, yeah, as so. a boss, you would way appreciate that. That's yeah. that's far and like, above. Oh, I need this and that. That's yeah. I mean, we're not used to that either. Hey, what can I what can I do to be better at my job? Yeah, you know, I came in, I started working here, and you said to do X, Y, and Z. I've been doing X, Y, and Z. I've noticed this, I've noticed that. Is there is there anything else I could be doing? Anything else I could be more focused on? People, and, you know, you'd say as you're the boss, and somebody came in and said that, you'd be like, uh, "Awesome, what? <laughs> sit, sit down. Yeah, let's talk." <laughs> I think I may want to give you a little bit more stuff to do so I can right. raise you up 
because you're willing to do it. Awesome. Well, cool. This is this has been so amazing. Thank you, Mark, for for taking time out of your day. We know you're busy, you're yeah, and yeah. the fact that you actually came into the studio is really really awesome thank you so much we sure. we love studio because it's so much fun it's so much funner to have you right here with us and we do online and technology weirdness and somebody doesn't have a, the mic is echoing and this is so much more fun and yep. and you got an amazing voice yeah thank you <laughs> i can listen to you so you, do you, don't you do you have a podcast I do not. Oh my gosh! I've been on a guest, a guest on a lot of them, but yeah, uh, you. Uh, I would listen to you every the, week down the road. Maybe <laughs> I would listen to you every week, man. And, and and as a speaker, I tell all speakers, you know what? If you're a speaker, you should have a podcast because it's a beautiful platform. But anyway, that's my two cents. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Um, Ryan, anything else? How can people get a hold of you as seven, far as seven uh, four dot com is my website. Uh, my social seven f o o t. No, just. F- FT. The number seven, the letters FT, Frank Tango, and the number four. So 7FT4.com. 7FT4.com. There you go. Yeah. And then you find me on social media, uh, Mark Eaton, just my name spelled out, and then 7FT4 at the end of it. Bam. That's Insta- Instagramian? Instagram, yep. All right. Instagram-ian. Awesome. We'll throw you up on the Instagramians. And I'm not still... too far out, the movie. 7FT4. Oh, the movie. The movie. That yeah. would be cool. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, yeah. It, we need some producers. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody listen to the show? That we get, with, get with Mark's people. Who's playing you, Mark, in the movie? <laughs> well, here's a funny story. Is about, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. About, about 10 years ago, about 2008, which is not the best time to create a new new idea. Uh, <laughs> a friend, a friend of mine was a screenwriter, and she actually wrote a movie script about my life. And she went out and and was going to pitch it, but 2008 and 9 was not the time to go out and pitch movies. Uh, and uh, so the funny part was that somebody from Sports Illustrated picked up that she had written a script, and they put a little tiny blurb on the bottom of a page in Sports Illustrated one week. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't more than an inch high. And um, she got calls from casting agents across the nation saying, hey, I've got a guy that can play him. So, so apparently they're out there. That's awesome. Okay, we can we can freshen that up again. Freshen yeah, that up again. Yeah, yeah. I would totally I would totally watch that. Yeah. I would watch it. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, here at the show, we like to sign off the show in, in, a, in a special way. And Ryan, I'll let you explain all that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. Sure. I really pleasure. appreciate it. Pleasure. Uh, so we'll, we end the show. We just go hashtag be good, do good three times. And on the third okay. time, we go. We get louder and louder as we go. It's bananas. a good way to sign off. This is a group activity. It's a group no. activity. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So we got like a lot of. People. Okay, people, let's do this thing. All right. Hashtag be good, do good. Hashtag be good, do good. Hashtag be good, do good. Yeah. Wow. That was insane. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Biz for Good Show podcast. We want to thank all our fans and guests on the show. Be sure to check us out on all our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For your hosts, Bobby Glenn James and Ryan Pilkington, this is Tim Jackson saying get out and do some good. Now go 